0: What is going on? This is John Lawyer of Tantric, and you are listening to My Weekly Mixtape with Brian Colburn. Let's get this party started.
2: Welcome to My Weekly Mixtape, a podcast that takes the classic mixtape approach to building a modern playlist. I'm your host, Brian Colburn. Joining me once again for tonight's collaboration is John Laurie, drummer for Tantric. John, thank you so much for joining me tonight again, man.
0: I'm so excited about this
2: episode. You have no idea. You were my guest earlier on episode nine, The Greatest Drummers of All Time. So I thought for a logical follow-up, let's talk about the drummers that we both consider underrated. Now, that right there is a loaded question. Because if you really think about this, there's somebody on this earth, I haven't met them yet, but there's somebody who thinks Neil Pert from Rush is underrated in some facet. So the word underrated could really mean anything to anyone. So I'm very curious to see where this playlist kind of heads tonight.
0: You know, I was thinking about the same thing. And then I was thinking, you know, with the last episode, we're talking about songs that like any drummer would would definitely say like this is top this is it this is you know Hot for Teacher if you're doing this sort of podcast topic of best drummers of all time you almost feel like you have to say those songs and for me personally of course like Hot for Teacher but what about all these other drummers that are out there that influenced my drumming or influenced my career in some facet that nobody talks about or those drummers that get overshadowed by someone else in the band that might be the ripping guitar player or the ripping vocalist and it's like oh well then there's this guy and it's like no but did you listen to this did you listen to this drum track this is a crazy topic so I'm very very excited to talk about it.
2: Well, let's not waste any more time and get right down to business. Tonight, as I mentioned earlier, John and I are curating an underrated drummer's mixtape, and we're going to use that old cassette deck approach. John, as my special guest, will begin Side A with his first song choice, and then I'll add a song that I feel best follows up his choice. We'll then flip-flop choosing songs until we've mapped out 10 songs for Side A. We'll then give our mixtape a proverbial flip, And we'll map out side B, only this time I'll kick the side off with John choosing second. Our overall goal for this episode is to craft the best underrated drummer's mixtape possible through only 20 songs. At the end of the show, you can take our conversation to the next level by visiting the episode page at MyWeeklyMixtape.com to give our final mixtape a listen via the embedded playlist. And finally, if you like what you're hearing on the show, you can help me out by either telling a friend leaving the show a five-star review wherever you're tuning in, or becoming a Patreon mixtaper at patreon.com forward slash My Mixtape. And a few of the Patreon mixtapers chimed in with drummers that they feel should be used to kick off an underrated drummer's mixtape, and I want to give a shout-out to a few of those. Ben from the Too Vague podcast chimed in with Alkaline Trio's Glenn Porter and the song Cringe. Jason Donches chimed in with a few— Blackberry Smoke's Britt Turner and Collective Soul's Johnny Robb, which he calls the Kings of Groove. And something you might be familiar with, he also added in Matt Tall of Days of the New and the original Tantric drummer, saying that these are massive grooves with tasty fills and a unique sound. Cactus Pete chimed in with Chad Smith of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now, he made our greatest drummer's mixtape without giving away too many spoilers but cactus pete is not sure that chad smith gets the recognition he deserves and thinks that when you listen to the Chickenfoot album he was able to spread his wings musically more and have that bigger sound so i think that's an interesting concept seeker went with cram from the aussie band spider bait who also doubles as their lead singer Sean Faust chimed in with Scott Travis of Judas Priest, saying the Painkiller album makes a very impressive announcement that he's the new drummer. And finally, David Lee Smith chimed in with Montrose's Denny Kermasi and Space Station Number 5. Now, John, with those picks out there to ponder over, I'm going to officially press the record button on our mixtape and pass the mic to you. Why don't you dive into the song that you chose to kick off Side A? Now, with all of those
0: out there, I'm going to choose off of their album, All the Right Reasons, Nickelback's Follow You Home, Daniel Adair as the drummer. So everybody that hates Nickelback just stopped listening. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say this. For one, I really wanted to talk about him last podcast. Daniel Adair is the drummer that kicked it off for me as a drummer. Seeing him live for the first time, it was my first concert ever. Seeing Nickelback was my first concert. And so, you know, I had back and forth on should I be a drummer, should I not? You know, my brothers all pick guitar, so I was like, ah, what am I going to do? And if it wasn't for Daniel Adair and seeing him play live, I I wouldn't be a drummer. Definitely. So, Follow You Home, though, kicks off this record with this crazy double bass pattern. And you don't expect that from Nickelback, right? And at this point in their career, they already had the most played song on radio. So it's like, what else are you going to do? This is a new drummer coming into a new album. How do you kick it off? And this song does exactly that. So it's a great groove. It's a great tune. But that double bass intro just solidifies it as, okay. this guy can play all the ballads, but he can also do this. So
2: 100% agree on that one. I think I've said before, and I said this on the last drummers episode, Metallica's Black album had this drum sound that was just so massive and so signature. And I feel like Nickelback in their heavier songs tries to incorporate that really larger than life drum sound. Because when you listen to the opening drums on Follow You Home, it almost sounds like you're in a cathedral with them and they're just so loud and so big that the song has nowhere to go but heavier from there. And the pattern that he's playing with the double kick really drives it home that people don't realize Nickelback is, first and foremost, a meat and potatoes hard rock band. Mm -hmm. And a song like Follow You Home shows that they can do it just as well as any other hard rock band on the planet. But for some reason, the ballads are what give them That whole soccer mom hate that I feel like is truly unjustified. So I love the pick.
0: Yeah, it's just a great tune. And, you know, he's one of those drummers. He's been on a ton of stuff. So he was in Three Doors Down initially. So before Nickelback, he was in Three Doors Down and he was all on most of those hits from their earlier records other than the first album, which is Brad Arnold playing drums. But, you know, Daniel Adair is just one of those prolific rock drummers that's been around since the early 2000s. And he just keeps showing it time after time on all the Nickelback records that he can hold back and play a groove. No problem. Not play any drum fills. Keep it simple. And then he'll let loose on tracks like this. And then shows like, okay, yeah, yeah, all right,
2: this guy can actually play. Well, following that up, I want to go with a track two that stays heavy but has a groove that is undeniable from a drummer that has done so much yet people don't talk about him as much as I think they truly should. And that drummer's name is Mike Borden. And I am going to go to 1992's Angel Dust, Faith No More, Midlife Crisis. That drumbeat is so tribal and so infectious, but the song is heavy to the point where when Disturbed covered Midlife Crisis, I love Disturbed, but it didn't pack the punch that the original did. People don't realize Mike Borden is Everywhere he's played with Jerry Cantrell on the Degradation Trip album. He played with Ozzy. He did the re-recordings of Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman in 2002. He did the Undercovers album, Black Rain, Down to Earth. He toured with Ozzy for years. He's played with Corn. He's played with Primus. People don't talk about Mike Borden enough. And Faith No More is such an underrated band overall. I know they sell out arenas. But people don't realize just how prolific this band is. And Mike Borden is such a huge part of that. So I'm going to follow up Nickelback's Follow You Home with Faith No More's Midlife Crisis.
0: Love it. That's a great pick. And Mike Borden has been everywhere. Like, I was just, once you said his name, I immediately thought Ozzy re-records. And also, uh, to that point, the Black Album Sounds, Carrie through into that song for sure. But the tribal beat is, yeah, undeniable.
2: Well, where do you go from here?
0: Uh, underrated. And again, like I, I mentioned at the very beginning, there are these guys that get overshadowed by somebody else in the band. And I was thinking about this because we didn't talk about them last time. But I'm going with Five Minutes Alone by Pantera, Vinnie Ooh. Paul. That's my favorite Pantera track because of how heavy it is. Far Beyond Driven is, you know, that's probably their heaviest record. So one, I think Vinnie Paul is underrated because Dimebag Daryl is always the guy that got the spotlight. Vinnie Paul has been through a bunch of different things, even into bands like Hell Yeah. But he's always that guy that is the pocket groove guy. So He'll do these things that are super flashy and whatever, but if you listen to the very middle, the very breakdown of five minutes alone, it's just kick, snare, do-do-do, ba-do-do-do, ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba. Do, ba, do, ba, do, ba. It's like not this over-the-top part, but it's so heavy, and the way he played was just that massive drumming. So
2: Vinnie Paul. Absolutely love it. I mean, he did some amazing stuff. You think about Damage Plan. You think about all the stuff he did with Hell Yeah. Hell Yeah's last album that they put out with songs like 333 and Oh My God, his drumming never lost a step. And it is such a bummer that he passed. I got to see the Pantera reunion project open for Metallica and MetLife stadium. And I'll tell you, Charlie from Anthrax is holding it down with a lot of respect. And Charlie is literally one of the founders of the blast beat. Mm-hmm. So to me, Charlie was like an influence to Vinny and now he's paying tribute to him. And you really hear the intricacies of, Of what he's doing in Pantera, because some of the stops and the fills surrounding Dimebag's guitars, if you think of a song like Walk with the guitar solo, some of the stops and nuances that he does to let Dime solo over it, it's actually a lot more complicated than the riff makes it seem. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that you brought him up because he's just such a big part of what I love so much about metal music, and I'm so sad that he's no longer with us. So, amazing pick.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: Well, you used a word when you talked about him, and I have to follow up that word because you talked about groove, and Vinnie Paul brought a groove to Pantera. I am going to go with a drummer that I feel has one of the most undeniable grooves on a hard rock album ever. However, the problems he's had in his life have overshadowed this brilliant drumming effort. And I'm going to go back to 1987 and I'm going to go with Steven Adler from Appetite for Destruction. And I'm going to go with Rocket Queen because when you think about a swagger to The drums, this song has such a groove to it that even when Matt Sorum joined and Matt Sorum is another drummer that could be discussed at some point tonight because of the stuff he did with the Colt, Velvet Revolver and with Guns N' Roses. But when he played Steven Adler era songs, they were extremely tight, perfect for the Use Your Illusion tours. But the groove was slightly missing. And every time I watch Guns N' Roses perform now, even the drummer they have with them now does a fantastic job. But there's something about the nuances that Steven brought to those songs that I think make Appetite for Destruction the classic album that it is. So I am going to follow up Pantera and Vinnie Paul with Steven Adler, Guns N' Roses, Rocket Queen.
0: That's a great, great choice. And I, I've been thinking about it because I've had kids that, um, you know, they want to learn, you know, Welcome to the Jungle or, or whatever. And so many of those grooves off of that record were so hard to replicate live because it's not him. It's not the guy that wrote it. You know, Matt Sorum did a great job, like you said, and for a number of years. But those grooves that he created for those songs are undeniable. And there is one part though, uh, we we talked about it beforehand, not uh, off camera. We talked about it with those moments where you're like, did he mean to do that? At the very beginning of Sweet Child of Mine, he starts on the hi-hat and then goes to the ride. Yep. Ha- like first note in and I'm like, was that intentional or not? Anyway, sorry to get off topic. <laughs> but <laughs> but Steven Adler, fantastic drummer, great choice, underrated for sure. Well, now following it up, what do you got? I like all these choices and we've kind of gone to a, we started like pretty darn heavy and then worked our way, you know, uh, to the lighter side. This one came to me very last minute, but I'm going to go with Steve Smith from Journey on Separate Ways. Ooh. We didn't talk about Journey last time, and it's very rare that anybody even brings up Steve Smith. But listen to this song. The drum fills in the very middle or towards the end of it, that whole drum break section, that thing is nuts. And that fill going into the second chorus, the ba 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 da ba ba Someday love will find you. He's playing all of these crazy fills throughout it but that chorus is just straight kick snare kick snare kick snare driving the whole show you know he's been prolific on a ton of other journey tracks you know but i feel like this one really showcases all of his drumming
2: and let's just be honest when people think journey they think of steve perry or arnell's voice because that's kind of a signature they think the opening piano to don't stop believin and then you automatically go to the guitar sound. I mean, that is Journey. Neil Sean. And, but you don't think about the fact that these drums. Journey was a progressive band in the 70s. And there, the timing and the complication in these drums, even though the songs don't necessarily give off the complexity that is happening, the nuances like you talked about really shine through.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think following that up, I'm going to go even a little lighter than Journey, but with a band that I'm nervous. I'm actually nervous to say this one because (laughs) people are immediately going to yell and they're going to go, oh, come on. He should have been included on The Greatest Drummers. And I agree. Yeah. However, when you're in a band and the bass player and lead singer is Sting, you are overshadowed. (laughs) And Stuart Copeland is one of the greatest groove, punk, rock, reggae, jam, whatever you want to call it, drummers that I have ever heard. He makes The Police an already excellent band better. And the song I'm going to go back is off of 1979's Regatta de Blanc, and I'm going with their massive hit Message in a Bottle. Most people don't think about what's happening in drums in that song, because you're so fixated on the lyrics and the guitar work. His drumming in that is insane. It's obscene what he's doing in that song, going from double time and the random hi-hat bells that he's ringing in the middle. Like he is flailing around that drum kit, like animal from the Muppets yet. He never overplays the song. Yeah. He knows exactly how to play for the song, but still keep it complex and nuanced. And that thought process is why he had no problem stepping into Oysterhead with Trey Anastasio and Les Claypool and making that so unique because he could follow those guys who are top tier in terms of where is their mind going musically He's able to keep up with it, and to me, no matter how amazing he is and how he should be included on every best drummer's list, I still think he's underrated. I 100% agree, because you got to approach it from a couple
0: different angles, but to the average listener... If you asked anybody outside of the music world, like, hey, do you know who Stuart Copeland is? They'll go, I don't know, I don't know. If you say who's Sting, they're the guy's one word. That's his name. It's just Sting, right? Yeah. So it's like you're you're not going to get as many people recognizing Stuart Copeland outside of the music world. Now, to drummers, to me growing up, a funny story about message in a bottle. I had to learn that song note for note because I had a drum teacher that we were going over a bunch of songs like that, and and some police tunes, and uh, Message in a Bottle came up. So I like kind of like half heartedly played it at home. I'm like, ah, I kind of got this groove. Here we go. It's Message in a Bottle. Like you know, who cares, right? It's it's not gonna be that hard. And then I came in and played it like the next week in my lesson, and my drum teacher's like, nope, nope, totally wrong, totally wrong. And I was like. What do you mean? Like, I'm kind of doing it, right? And he's like, no, we're going to learn this thing note for note. And we did. And I didn't realize how much was going on in that song until I broke it apart. Stuart Copeland's a reggae drummer yes. at the end of the day. He's a reggae drummer that knew how to play punk rock of the time. So it's like doing that and adding that into a song like Message in a Bottle or any of those other police tunes, you don't realize that the snare and the bass drum in reggae music land together so it's like one and a two and three and four and there's never a bass drum on the one so Stuart copeland was the king of adding that into music that should have had that bass drum on the one so uh message in a bottle great choice
2: all right, well, what do you got to follow that up with then? Because now we've gone from like heavy and we're kind of yeah. trickling this set list <laughs> yeah, down here falling. on the side. I had to for this
0: slot, but I have to bring him up because again, it's like, how could you not say him in the first episode of Greatest Drummers of All Time? And in my heart, I was sad because we didn't talk about him because he is like the second biggest influence on my my drumming. But Bill Ward uh-huh. from Black Sabbath symptom of the universe off of sabotage listen to that drum track i like i can't pick a bill ward song a favorite bill ward drum song because it's too hard but if you want to look at his chops as a drummer symptom of the universe is the song that i'm still working out to this day because it is so fast and so complicated and he takes these long drum breaks over top of Tony Iommi's ba 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 and he's just doing these crazy rudiment drum fills over his kit all throughout it and then straight into a do ba do ba do ba straight groove i love bill ward he's one of my favorite drummers of all time and you know i was so sad that we didn't put him on the greatest drummers list but i do think because of ozzy and tony iommi He doesn't get the credit that he deserves.
2: Bill Ward is one of those drummers that, I mean, Black Sabbath invented or was part of inventing heavy metal music. And just think about the title track from their debut album, the song Black Sabbath. The way that he's using drums to almost give off a horror vibe, the rolls and the fills, where they're not on the beat, but they're meant to be like swells with Ozzy's vocals. Think about at the time when this album came out, there was nothing like that at all because it was heavy, but there was this tinge of psychedelic in it. But then there were these creepy lyrics. And then when they got heavier and heavier, there was just something about his timing. He's a human metronome for one. And then on top of that, just some of the unique Complexities that he brought to songs, making the drums musical. For example, War Pigs. Mm-hmm. How often is a hi hat a musical instrument? Where and, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and you, you know what I mean by that? Obviously, yeah. it's a musical instrument because it's the hi hat, but played in a musical sense. Because I don't care who you are, if you walk up to somebody and be like, "Hey." People know what song you're talking about. Yes. That is how musical of a drummer he is. So I love, love, love the pick. And now coming out of Sabbath, I'm going to bring it up a couple decades. Sure. And I'm going to go with a band that, again, is hiding in the shadows of one of the best of all time. And I've mentioned the name before because Stuart Copeland sat behind Trey Anastasio and Les Claypool in Oysterhead. Tim Herb Alexander sat behind Les Claypool in Primus. And in Primus, everything is being overshadowed by the bass and by Les's unique vocal delivery. However, you take a song like Over the Electric Grapevine from 1995's Tales from the Punchbowl, Tim Herb Alexander makes that song amazing because you need to keep up with wherever less head is going and not only did he keep up with it he was in unison with this weirdness that was happening in the middle of the song and the drum fills and breakdowns in this tune are absolutely sick i could even go with the hit from that album winona's big brown beaver that was all over the radio if you listen to the drums on that it's a little more refined but the fills complement the bass runs that Les is doing so he always knew exactly where Les was and where he needed to be and over the electric grapevine to me is his shining moment of a drum track and Primus obviously deserves some recognition because you're keeping up with Les Claypool so over the electric grapevine That's a great choice
0: and I think Primus in general is so out there even from a drummer standpoint so to try to play that from my perspective is like I'm not him at all I've tried to play Primus songs and I can't do it also to your point how often is a instrument like a hi-hat a musical instrument the ride bell on if you start that you know on that ride symbol back there people are gonna go oh that's primus it's just a great great little nuance um but yeah great choice love primus
2: all right you have one pick left for side a so what do you got for
0: it All right, I was, again, going. It's been cool because we've kind of been like, you know, back and forth. It's like a good old tennis match here. I want to pay homage to the guy that gave me a job, basically. And one of the harder jobs I've ever had to do was figuring out his drum grooves. And we mentioned him earlier, but Matt Tall from Tantric, the original drummer of Tantric, their song Live Your Life is such a great drum groove it's my favorite drum groove out of all the tantric songs that i get to play every time funny story about this tune i learned it when i was going out with the guys the first time and i was like yeah i've got this groove all right cool it's an interesting hi-hat pattern i'm like i think i got it two years later i listened to it with good headphones through like a good system on cd And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've been playing this groove wrong for two years. (laughs) And it's the littlest nuance on the hi-hat. I was doing like 30 second notes. He was doing 16th note triplets on this part. And I was like, I can't believe that I've been playing this so wrong. That's the genius of Matt Tall. Hugo, my singer. He always said that Matt was one of those guys that was he was so out there and so eccentric. He's got so many funny stories about this guy, but he could never play the same thing twice. He was always this jam band style drummer. But the grooves and the things he created for these tantric songs that I've had to learn off the first two records are my absolute favorite tantric songs out there it was jam band style stuff it was out there playing verses on the ride playing choruses on the hi-hat having hand drums where usually we hear it drummer perspective so we'll hear hi-hats on the left and we'll hear rides on the right tantric was flipped so hi-hats were on the right rides were on the left it was crowd perspective Just those little things about his drumming style and what he carved his sound as, I've really modeled a lot of this career being in Tantric
2: off of Matt Tall. So I have to throw him in there. I have to give a lot of respect to that. Just like Patreon mixtaper Jason Donch said at the top of the hour, you also have to think about the stuff he did with Days of the New. Let's just use Touch, Peel, and Stand, for example, which he has that jam band style, but the nuances... Because when you're playing in a band that's primarily acoustic driven like Days of the New, you could easily overplay those songs and take them out of the element. But he knew how to fall into where it needed to be for those tracks and keep that sound really engaging, but not in a showboating kind of way. Just take the verse of touch, peel and stand. And that's my example here. And I feel like it's a perfect spot to put in here. and. Speaking to the guy that has to play them every night, I think it's amazing to hear that because there's probably no other person on this earth that could speak better to the experience of what it's like to play these songs because people are in the crowd expecting a certain vibe and you need to capture that. And there's got to be a challenge in that, I'm guessing.
0: The biggest compliment that I ever get is the people that come up and go, dude, you sound exactly like the record. I don't want to sound like John Laurie. Like John Laurie's got his own sound, you know. John Laurie will put his own sound on whatever Tantric record comes in the future. But I want to do the job of the songs that these people all know from 20 years ago. They don't want to hear John Laurie's interpretation. So I got to put a lot of credit to Matt Tall because these songs have one they've made me a better drummer and a better performer and all of that, of course. But it's given me the job to do something justice. That people grew up with and to get that compliment, you know, every night of of somebody saying like, dude, you you really do those songs justice. That is like above. I don't want to hear John Laurie's a
2: great drummer. I want to hear John Laurie's doing the right job. Amazing, and I also love the fact that you took the liberty and played double bass throughout the entire song of breakdown because that's unexpected. Where it's just the entire time, it really create. No. Yeah, yeah, I wanted, I wanted my artistic freedom on that, so I was like,
0: "Oh, blast beats."
2: Is yeah, that what here's you guys here's want? the song everybody knows, and you drop into a blast beat. See.
0: Yeah, see, if I was if I heard that, I would go like,
2: "Man, why you got to show
0: off like that?" You know, it's like. I don't want to hear that. If somebody were to come into, you know, and do any sort of song by another drummer, it's like, you got to do it right. You know, whether or not you're better than that, like we talked about with Pantera, for Charlie to come in and do the songs the way that Vinny did them, that takes a lot of credit. You have to do these songs that people are expecting, they Mm -hmm. expect it to sound a certain way, and you have to do that.
2: Well, closing out Side A, we've stayed on kind of the heavier rock side of the spectrum here. But because you went with Tantric, I feel like I have the perfect closer for this side. And it's a band that when you mention the name, I don't think this name comes up until maybe third or fourth in the band's notoriety rankings. Musicians and drummers will immediately say, yes, I know why you picked this. But the average music listener, when I say the band name, might raise an eyebrow. And the band is Alice in Chains. But I am going to go off of 1994's Jar of Flies with no excuses. Following up Tantric, I don't think I can, with a good conscience, follow it up with a song like Them Bones or Man in the Box. But No Excuses checks off all the boxes that musically flows from Tantric into Alice in Chains, as well as kind of across this entire side of a mixtape that we've made here. But Sean Kinney's drums in that track where it's, you know, it's so rhythmic that Jerry Cantrell's acoustic guitar and then you have the two-part harmony that Allison Chains is just known for. I mean, that is probably the number one thing people think about is Lane and Jerry Cantrell's vocals harmonizing over each other. Yep. But you take any other type of beat and you put it into No Excuses, and that song's not a hit. Sean Kinney is definitely an underrated drummer, and that's what I'm going to go to close outside A.
0: Love it. I had a uh, Allison Chain song on my list. I had Sean Kenny on the list. I had Wood, but that's just because I love that drum intro. And again, he was the type of drummer where he was busy enough, like you were talking about, with that song specifically. It wasn't that he was just keeping a straight groove, but he was adding his flair into it. But it never overshadowed. It never took the spot of like, oh, you're just listening to Sean Kenny's band. You still like were like, oh, Jerry Cantrell. You know, Lane Staley, you're thinking those two guys, but the background that he was able to provide for a lot of Alice in Chains songs, even to this day, he's like still crushing it.
2: Yeah. Wood was also on my list, but I think coming out of Tantric, I just feel like from a musical standpoint, No Excuses has a little bit more of a vibe to kind of close out in, in you know, starting with Nickelback. I just felt like No Excuses was a better bookend. on this instance but Wood is an incredible song well there you have it folks that concludes side A of our greatest underrated drummers mixtape which consists of Nickelback Follow You Home Faith No More Midlife Crisis Pantera's Five Minutes Alone Guns N' Roses Rocket Queen Journey's Separate Ways Worlds Apart The Police Message in a Bottle Black Sabbath Symptom of the Universe Primus Over the Electric Grapevine Tantric, Live Your Life, and Alice in Chains, No Excuses. Head to myweeklymixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. Now, John, before we flip things over and start Side B, it's been a pretty busy year over at the Tantric Camp. And now Tantric is a part of Creed's Summer of 99 Cruise, which is on sale right now. More importantly, have you ever played drums on a boat before?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, first off, it's my first cruise that I've ever been on. Never been on a cruise my whole life, so Uh-oh. to go, uh, yeah, I know, I know. It's like, oh, hey, where's John? We're supposed to be playing right now. Oh, he's over the side barfing. So, <laughs> but no, I, I. When I got this call, I said, no way. Like, first thing, you know, Creed, we've played with Scott Stapp a bunch. And years ago, when we were playing together, I approached Scott and I was like, hey, man, you know, this is a great package. It was us, Hinder, Drowning Pool, and Scott Stapp. And so I was like, we should do this more often. He's like, you know what? We should do this more often. I was like, all right. So Then this Creed thing came up. I was like, I'd like to hope that I said something that was like, hey, Tantric's still here. But yeah, I am just beyond blessed to be a part of this. It's Creed, Three Doors Down, Vertical Horizon. It's just like a bunch of groups that I grew up listening to from the early 2000s. And I don't know, there's really no words. And then we got picked up for a second cruise. So right after those five days on that first cruise with Creed and Three Doors Down and us and everybody else, then we go two days off and we have to head to Orlando. And then we pick up the same cruise again, slightly different lineup, Daughtry's on it and a couple other bands like Jimmy's Chicken Shack hops on. Nice. And so Yeah. So all of these bands are coming back and it's all these, it's like one big nostalgia trip. But I I could not be more excited. And with that, we're hoping to bring a new record on the horizon and hoping to do some recording going into October and such. So it's like things are moving. Things are happening. I couldn't be more happy.
2: Awesome. Well, I'm going to give you one bit of advice. If you happen to have one of the sets that are outside on a cruise ship, you probably won't have an overhang. So... My old hard rock band 20 years ago opened for Zach Wilde's Black Label Society at the Stone Pony on the summer stage. And our drummer made the mistake of putting suntan lotion on his forehead before we went on. And in the middle of the first song, it leaked into his eyeballs. And he basically spent the whole song screaming. He kept the beat the whole time. So kudos to him for that. But that song was never more intense. He was hitting the drums like he wanted to murder them. Because his (laughs) eyes, so at the end of the song, a bottle of water flew over my head up to him. He caught it, poured the whole bottle of water over his face, looked at us and gave us the thumbs up and just said, go, keep going. So don't put any suntan lotion on above your cheeks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'll just burn from the top. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. Oh, my gosh. That's too funny.
2: Well, I am looking forward to hearing more about this cruise. We'll let people know at the end of the episode where they can find out more. Now we're going to flip over to side B and kick off our underrated drummers mixtape. And when I think about classic drum songs, I've said a million times over on this show, I know I've beaten it to death, but the Cars self-titled album is my favorite album of all time. And when people think about the Cars, they think about Rick Okasik. His vocals, his production. Benjamin Orr, his vocals, his bass playing. Greg Hawks, the keyboards. You talk about Elliot Easton's Tasty Guitar Riffs. But behind all of that, the the iconic drum sounds of David Robinson. And I'm going to go with, because we're starting off Side B, I'm going to go with the song that starts off Side B on my favorite album of all time. From 1978's The Cars, I'm going with the track. You're all I've got tonight. Now I've said this before on the show. The drums he plays on this song are absolutely thunderous. In the 1990s, for the "Bullet with Butterfly Wings" CD single, Smashing Pumpkins covered this song, and it introduced a lot of 90s kids to this song. They didn't know it was a Car's cover. As soon as I heard the drum beat, I'm like, "Oh my God, they're doing my, one of my favorite Car songs." I respect smashing pumpkins version but it will never be as heavy as the cars because david robinson's drum sound on that track is just another level if you play it on a good stereo the wall shake just from the drums Mm -hmm. and that to me really says all i want to say about it so starting off with a little bit more of a classic rock tinge here david robinson the cars you're all i've got tonight yeah, David Robinson. I was going to say, The
0: Modern Lovers comes to mind as well. But, I mean, The Cars, yeah, again, you don't think about him at all. He's very much a background drummer. But thunderous for sure. And uh, great choice to kick it off. I don't know. Because um, now you went with the classic rock thing. Which is fine. That totally works. All right, I'm going to pick somebody that was on your show that I love the episode for, and we talked about him previously off camera. But Huey Lewis in the news, you think about Huey Lewis. You don't think about anybody else. But Bill Gibson on one of my favorite songs ever is Couple Days Off. That is a great drum song. The only thing I want everybody to go and listen to is the very middle of the song with that drum fill. Ba-ba-do-ba-ba-ba. But The way they go into the solo section is fantastic. It's When I first heard it, I'm like, are you kidding? This is a Huey Lewis and the News song? Because everybody thinks about him as, you know, well, nobody thinks about him. That's why he's on the underrated drummer's playlist. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like he had to do such a job of being the background character to a front man and being a part of the news. And then to do a track like this, when I first heard it, I was like, no way.
2: If you're a fan of drummers, I highly recommend you go back and check out the Huey Lewis in the News episode with Bill Gibson. So many great stories, such a great guy, amazing drummer. I mean, he is, again, a human metronome. And the grooves that he brings to that band are undeniably underrated because the news isn't the news without Bill behind the kit, it's as simple as that. The thing that blew my mind about that episode with him was that Tell Me A Little Lie was like just a throwaway tune. Dude, I swear to God, I literally hung up the session with Bill and called my parents because that was one of their favorite songs with me as a kid. And I'm like, Dad, I I gotta break your heart here. Tell Me a Little Lie by Huey Lewis, in the news was apparently a throwaway track. And he went, you got to be kidding me. We always talked about how this song wasn't a hit single. And apparently, wow.
0: That's nuts. Anybody that hasn't listened to that episode, you have to go back. It is just a great episode overall for drummers. And it just, you know, like you said, little tidbits of information, but... That blew my mind. I was like, especially for a second song off a record, you're like, oh, well, they're just bringing out all the A material first, you know, and then the B-sides are all the B-sides. I can't believe that that was just a throwaway
2: tune. Blew my mind. Same here. Well, following up Huey Lewis... Hmm. All right, I'm going to go back a little bit. I'm going to stay in this kind of classic rock thing we got going here. And I'm going to go with a band that is basically... God's gift to studio musicians. They are the ultimate studio musicians band. And I don't think people talk about the drums in this group enough because they're so busy talking about the other sums of the parts. But I'm going to go to Steely Dan and 1977's Asia. I'm going with the title track, Steve Gadd. I mean, to me, when you think about Steely Dan, they're the ultimate musicians band they don't have a ton of songs where everybody's up singing and dancing. Like the people that I know that really love Steely Dan are either obsessed with music or musicians. They have, you know, Ricky don't lose your number and some other songs that were big radio hits. But when you listen to the rest of their albums, it's a musician's cornucopia of just awesomeness. So I'm going with Asia. Nice. Great, great choice. And this
0: is, this is really interesting. First off, that drum solo in Asia is like the drum solo. Tons of drummers try to do that. And he'll talk about it in interviews and go, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like this. Or like, it's a little bit of that. And you're like, you don't know that note for note? Like all of us are <laughs> trying to learn it note for note. And you're just up here like, <laughs> like you're just uh, improvising the whole thing. It's like, it, it's crazy. but And he's a drummer that's been in a ton of stuff. Prolific studio drummer. Doesn't get enough recognition for sure. Uh, I'm gonna do something maybe unprecedented. Maybe it's <laughs> maybe I shouldn't, but you know, I'm gonna do it anyway. Because off of Steely Dan's album Asia is another drummer that doesn't get enough recognition. In the drumming community, he doesn't get enough rec well, he gets enough recognition in the drumming community, I should say. In music as a whole this guy has been in everything he's one of my favorite drummers bernard purdy on home at last with the purdy shuffle so this drummer is so prolific in the drumming community that he has a shuffle named after him Yep, the purdy shuffle and every drummer from jeff percaro in toto to john bonham from fool in the rain off of in through the outdoor Everybody's been trying to figure out the Purdy shuffle and I've been so blessed to have the opportunity to do a clinic with him last year in November where it was the Bucks County drum company drum clinic of the year and it was out here in Bucks County Pennsylvania in this drum clinic it was me Kevin Sofera who's a local guy to New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Bernard Purdy doing this drum clinic and to watch Bernard talk for an hour and Play he was playing and talking about how to do grooves and how to be just it's the light touch on the drums this guy is pushing like close to 90 now and he's still playing with just as much funk and taste and groove it's like I wish That I could achieve that level of groove in my life and then the coolest part was after he started his little clinic and I was done. And I'm like, oh man, like I really kind of I wish I did better because that's just what musicians do. We always are so hard on ourselves. And he got up there and he was playing and he stopped for a second. He's like, that young guy, he was all right. And then he kept grooving. And I was like, oh, oh no way. <laughs> and then later on, I went and said, Mr. Purdy, I just want to say, like, I am such a big fan of yours and everything that you've done. And and he's like, you, you, you are good. Keep doing it. And I was like, to hear it from him? Are you kidding? I could have died there. You know, struck me down with lightning. I'd be, I'd be fine and happy. But uh, yeah, Bernard Purdy, home at last, Steely Dan.
2: I first want to applaud you on the incredible way you were able to find a loophole In the, we don't choose bands a second time, but this is about the drummer, not about the band. So I applaud your loophole for that. Bravo. Obviously the Purdy shuffle. Like to me, I had a hard time between Asia and Home at Last because of that reason. But Mm -hmm. that drum solo in the middle of it, it was like, I think I'm going to go with that one, but you nailed it. And I love it. As long as I'm able to do that. You know, we didn't talk about the rules. I make up the (laughs) rules as I go along. We are fine. So following that up, you took a liberty. So I'm going to take a liberty Mm -hmm. and the liberty I'm going to take is I'm going to use a drummer that we included on our greatest drummers mix and also include him on our most underrated. Because depending on who you ask, I feel like this one would be that instance. And that is Mitch Mitchell, drummer for the Jimi Hendrix Experience. When you're behind Jimi Hendrix, who's the greatest guitarist of all time, arguably, you need to bring something unique and special to the table. But when people talk about Jimi Hendrix Experience, who are they talking about? Talking about Jimi. Talking about (laughs) Jimi. And he stayed in that kind of behind the spotlight at all times but when you think about the grooves that he brought to the songs he is the canvas that jimmy was allowed to paint his musical wizardry over and to me that speaks to the fact that it's underrated because anytime you mention the Jimi hendrix experience no one's going oh dude mitch mitchell they're not And they should be, because without that iconic drumbeat, Manic Depression is not the song that it is. I've seen bands cover this song. They don't capture the groove. They don't capture the uniqueness about the song. I did have the chance to catch the Experience Hendrix tour when Mitch Mitchell was still alive. I want to say it was back in 2007. And even with his health not being as good and him being up there in age, He still sat down on that kit, and it was just riding a bike for him, and he still had that magic to what he brought to the band. So you pulled a (laughs) a little bit of a loophole. I'm pulling one, even though he was featured on our greatest drum tracks mix, which I'm not going to say the song. I want you to go back and listen to the other episode. Yeah, go listen. I'm not going to say what song, but it's not the one I picked for tonight, which is Manic Depression. Manic Depression's a great
0: track. And that to your point, exactly what you were saying, he is so overshadowed by such a guitar monster. You know, he's just that's Jimi Hendrix. It's always going to be Jimi Hendrix. But he was such a jazz drummer, too, because there was no rock yet. They were inventing it at that time. So all of his fills were these like tasty jazz licks around a straight feel. And so it's really interesting to try to play those songs. And that's what us modern drummers miss out on is most of us don't grow up starting off with jazz. We start off with rock. We start off with Motley Crue or whatever. All these straight feel bands to where it was already ironed out. But if you start off with jazz like a guy like Mitch Mitchell, you're going to be playing that way in this straight feel context and that's exactly what he did and he did it perfectly and i try to play those jimi hendrix songs i just i'm i don't have the feel for it i didn't grow up with it but he did and that's what makes him such a prolific drummer well we're kind of staying classic rock on this side so now i'm curious to see where you go from here i'm curious to see where i go too (laughs) and i (laughs) i have to go with him because again overshadowed by guitar monster I'm going to go with Frank Beard from ZZ Top on the track Just Got Paid.
2: Yes.
0: I love ZZ Top. I think that they're one of the best blues bands of all time, one of the best southern rock bands, one of the best rock bands of all time, and even in their age, they're still going. Frank Beard is still playing just as good as he did back then as he is now. The one thing he always had was that Texas blues swagger to how he played. Things were shuffled, things were just bluesy. Even on Eliminator, when things started to get a little bit more straightforward MTV style, they were still able to maintain their bluesness about them. But he's always overshadowed because everybody thinks of Billy. Everybody thinks of him. So it's like Frank Beard is like just as big a drummer as Billy is a guitar player.
2: And Just Got Paid is a drum-driven song. Make no mistake about I know the riff is what people think of, but if you just played a straight beat to that song, because Mastodon did a cover of Just Got Paid. Joe yes. Bonamassa's done a cover of Just Got Paid, and they're all great, but they're not ZZ Tops because there's no. this little bit of what he's doing with the brush on the snare on top in between the hits where it's... And again, I'm not a drummer, so I might totally make this sound, but he's hitting it on the two and four, but he's also kind of dragging it on the threes and the ones and kind of giving it that groove that if you just play it on the twos and fours, you lose that feel because the song is bluesy and heavy, but it also has a vibe to it. And I feel like those nuances are overlooked. Yeah,
0: there, and that's what made him one of at least my favorite drummers was all of those ghost notes and all of that additional material into these grooves. His hi-hat work on Just Got Paid is just something to look at. So if you're a drummer, you have to go and check out this track. If you haven't sat down and listened to it, you know, everybody thinks LaGrange and all these other bigger ZZ Top songs, but listen to Just Got Paid
2: and you won't be disappointed. Couldn't agree more, and I think I know what I'm gonna follow that up with. We're staying classic rock, it looks like, on this side, and I have to go with one that my parents own <laughs> my parents owned on eight-track when I was a kid. Love it. And this song was so long that on the eight-track it faded out halfway through the song, and then the eight-track would flip to the next side and it would play the rest of the song, and it always faded out during the song's drum solo. Now, when I mention this song, this song, it's kind of a love or hate with this song. But I'm going to go with 1968 Iron Butterfly in Davida. Ron Bushy's drums on that song. The drum solo. I dabble with drums. I'm not great. I love sitting down and practicing and kind of getting a groove going and just having fun. I've played drums for friends to jam for a night just for the hell of it. I could keep a beat. But I'm not anywhere near that. I would ever play in front of like people, but I I could do it and goof off and have fun. The thing I always do when I'm warming up is the drum solo. The and it's this weird tribal drum solo in the middle of this psychedelic acid trip of a song, Mm -hmm. where halfway through the tribal beat. He starts adding the cymbal in where it's and then it goes into this psychedelic trippiness. So he changed timing a couple of times in this drum solo and somehow brought them back to the original opening of the song, which is 17 minutes after. They originally started the song. The radio version is only two minutes, so you can't listen to the radio version because you're not getting Mm -hmm. the Ron Bushy experience. You need to listen to the full-length version, and that's the version I'm going to include on this playlist, but the timing changes. There was not, in 1968 and 1967, probably when they recorded this, they didn't have the tools we have now. There may have been metronomes involved, but a lot of these bands recorded these tracks live, and to be able to end at the same speed you started with 17 minutes earlier with timing changes is something that to me blew my mind as a kid. And as I got more and more into music and I got the CD of Inagata Davida, where the drum solo never faded out, it blew my mind even more. So I have to give a shout out to this one. Iron Butterfly, In Davida. DeVita. Love it. This is that track that musicians or...
0: You know, people that know that there's a drum solo in that song that's always the like, well, do you know how to play the Inagata DeVita drum solo? (laughs) It's like, it's like, there's, you're not a true drummer yet unless you've played Inagata DeVita the right way. You can't just play the two minute version. No, no, no. You got to play that full drum solo. And like you said, that is, you know, it's overlooked because. It's Iron Butterfly, and that's like the track. The radio version is what everybody heard. Everybody heard the two-minute version. So then when you realize that there's a drum solo attached to this thing, you have to go back and listen to it. And he doesn't get enough credit, that's for sure.
2: And I'll tell you right now, I miss drum solos in songs. I mean, like jam bands will do it from now, you know, every now and then. But think about the songs that you hear on classic rock radio. Frankenstein by Edgar Winter Group. Mm Mm-hmm. Obviously, Inagata DeVita, Radar Love by Golden Earring. All these songs had drum solos in it. The last time I heard a drum solo in a song that was popular was a cover of Golden Earring's (laughs) Radar Love by White Lion, where they did the video and they included the drum solo in it. That is the last time I think I've heard a drum solo in a rock track. But to me, I miss them if they're done in the right way. So Iron Butterfly definitely checks off that box. Now you've got two picks left and I've got one. So we're coming to the tail end of this Uh, here. This
0: might, I might have to flip just to, to fit it in because I have to talk about him. But if we're talking about drum solos and we're talking about guys that do them well, he's never done one in a track. And to your point, I miss that. Nobody does drum solos. And honestly, I don't either. Right, It's one of those things that even live they kind of stopped happening because it's just song after song after song. And a drummer will get a break or I'll get these like trash can endings where I get to throw out all the drum solo (laughs) material I know. And just like, here it is, this is what I can do. And you get those moments, but there's not a whole lot of drum solo material going on. But one of my favorite drummers of all time, the guy I've probably ripped off a lot of my <laughs> material from, off of a band that you may or may not know, I know you know him, but the, the listener may or may not know, is John Fred Young from Blackstone Cherry. The song is Blind Man. Yes. And that is the song that changed the game for me as a drummer because at the time, I was only really listening to classic rock and I was listening to things of that nature I had Nickelback from when I was a kid not a whole lot of modern bands did it for me to where I was like hey, like I-, I need something else I need a good musician behind the song too. like I need a drummer to aspire to be and when I saw the music video for blind man for the first time I'm like this guy hits hard And in the song, in the very middle, there's these drum breaks where he's throwing in these crazy fills. I remember being a young little John Laurie listening to this song going, "How, how do I how do I do that? Like, what can I do? And I have studied probably every single Blackstone Cherry song that there is. I mean, maybe not and not much of the recent stuff, but when I was a kid, It was all I played. It was all I listened to. When I saw that John Fred Young was a showman, I was like, I want to be like that guy. I want to be a showman just like that guy. So I've ripped off probably so much of his career, but he was just that drummer that changed it all for me. So I have to bring him
2: up. Absolutely love it. You scooped me on the band and the song because that middle part, the like, I can't even do it with my mouth the Muppets animal flailing that he's doing, but it fits so well leading into that guitar solo. It like amplifies it. It gets you psyched for the rest of the song. Criminally underrated. Blackstone Cherry is one of those bands that every time they put out an album, I buy it the day it comes out every Mm -hmm. song on it. I'm like, this is fantastic. I've got their live Blu-ray. I don't get how they haven't made the jump to a larger status because Every album they've put out has had at least five or six songs that I think could be smash radio hit singles. Yep. And I just don't feel like they've caught fire yet, but I know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And they
0: do. They're huge overseas.
2: If you go oh, yeah, to definitely. the UK, they're,
0: they're selling out stadiums over there. They're huge over there because rock music is still really big over there. We're in America where rock music isn't as big as it used to be. So harder to break out in that market. But their vocals, their harmonies, their musicianship, their live show, everything about this band is fantastic. And like you said... I still do it, too. I buy the record the day it comes out and I listen to it all the way through and I'll probably spin it for like, you know, a month after it comes out and just play it till the album just stops playing. But it's just one of those bands that is so underrated as musicians. But John Fred Young as a drummer, every time I watch him play, I just go back home and start practicing again because I'm like, i'm i'm just not there yet you know he's just got it you know um and i'm lucky and very fortunate to call him a friend and and a mentor and um they're just a great band that i just keep praying that they'll get that that top hit they did have a top country hit that was picked up by florida georgia line so at least they had that at least the song got out there it's not the florida georgia line song their version is not as good as the Blackstone Cherry version by no, any means. Nope, nope, If you don't know Stay by Blackstone Cherry, you have to listen to their version, not the Florida Georgia Line version. But at least they, their
2: song got out there to the masses. Which is why I feel like they just need it for them. Because, yes. I mean, really, Stay was everywhere in Florida. I'm like, why isn't... Bla- because back in the 90s, there was an instance where I Swear it was a big hit for John Michael Montgomery and then... like within 6 months all for one did an R&B version and they were both hits how the yeah. hell did blackstone <laughs> cherry's version not explode at the same time it forever baffles me yep so they have a touch of southern rock to them so for my last song I am going to go back to classic rock, but I'm going to touch on the southern rock that Blackstone Cherry brings to their music. And I'm also going to go back and give another shout out to Patreon playlister Seeker because he chimed in with Cram from the Aussie band Spider Bait because he doubles as the lead singer. Now, that's happened before in bands, and I feel like I want to include a singing drummer because to me, that is two parts of the brain working simultaneously to be able to keep a beat and keep your notes, keep on pitch. To me, that is underrated in and of itself. But I'm going to go with the one that I feel did it better than anyone else. And I'm sure somebody can come up with an argument, but I feel like one of the best to ever do it. I'll just say that. So I don't say the greatest, but I'll say one of. And I'm going to go with Levon Helm from the band. And I'm going to go with 1969 self-titled album Up on Cripple Creek. Again, this is a swampy New Orleans rock tune. Mm -hmm. The groove on it is so funky and so jazzy, but there's this rock element to it. And as he's doing it, he's singing the damn song at the same time. Yeah. Like, I, I can't stress enough. You've got your arms and feet independently moving and you're singing I've seen a lot of drummers sing harmonies where they'll go in and do a couple of lines here and there. But to take the entire vocal melody behind the kit and pull it off as flawlessly as he did is something that I'll, I'll never forget. And one of my favorite concert experiences of my life was going to the Levon Helm Tribute at the then IZOD Center in New Jersey. And we got to watch band after band pay tribute to Levon Helm. And it was just such an amazing night of music. And Up on Cripple Creek, to me, is just a signature band. So I could have went with The Wade. I could have went with, Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking drums more than the entire song. But Up on Cripple Creek's drums are just perfect. So that's my last song of the
0: night. I love it because that is one of the hardest things. I try the harmony thing for Tantric and I can only do so much. That is a hard thing to sing. And his voice too, being so soulful as it was, maybe one could argue it's not like this technically proficient. He's not hitting like all these runs and notes and whatever. But to do it and to do it so well, very hard thing to do. And I love Up on Cripple Creek. You can't help but sing along to that tune as well. Um, so great, great choice. Um. I'm pulling an Audible, actually. Oh, because, really? You know, I have so many in the bank. That's what still makes this hard because we thought like the greatest drummers of all time was hard doing this and having to get underrated drummers. It's still I've got like. I don't know, twenty more on my list that I <laughs> that I could pull from. And so it's still such a challenge for me to actually, you know, choose the last one. But I, I you said singing drummer, and so I want to keep it with that. He is highly underrated, but Don Brewer from Grand Funk Railroad, mm-hmm. we're an American band. I feel like that caps it off. That is one of the best drum intros out there. Another one of those things that if you start playing that do ba do, ka, do, ba, you don't even have to do the cool stuff yet. You just have to play that cowbell with that groove, and everybody knows right away what that is—the single pedal style. That's one of those things that once I learned that John Bonham and John Fred Young and Don Brewer were all single pedal guys, I threw away my double bass. I'm like, I I don't need that. I'm like, I I just need to do single pedal. So that was one of those songs that for me growing up, I'm like, all right, I got to go faster. I got to go faster, but not there yet. All right, next time. So yeah, we're an American
2: band and he's singing the whole thing. So it's like, come on. And it's also strangely poetic that you closed with that. And I'll give you a reason why the greatest drummers episode you closed and i'm not going to say what song but you closed with the beatles and grand funk railroad one of their biggest claims to fame was selling out their appearance at shea stadium in new york city faster than the beatles and why you may ask it's the talent of mark don and mel and i absolutely applaud the pick a perfect poetic ending to our side B of greatest underrated drummer's mixtape, which consists of The Cars, You're All I've Got Tonight, Huey Lewis in the News, Couple Days Off, Steely Dance Asia, Steely Dance Home at Last, We Allowed It, Jimi Hendrix Experiences, Manic Depression, ZZ Top, Just Got Paid, Iron Butterflies In Agata De Vita, Blackstone Cherry's Blind Man, The Band's Up on Cripple Creek, and Grand Funk Railroads, We're an American Band. Head over to myweeklymixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. Now, John, we talked about the summer of 99 cruise. Why don't you tell people a little bit more about how they can learn more about that, how they can get tickets, how they can come hang, and anything else that's going on in the Tantra camp that you want to talk about and how they can get in touch with you.
0: Yeah, so Summer of 99 Cruise is April. The first cruise is already sold out, but as far as I know, the second cruise, you can check the dates on that, the one with Daughtry. That one still has cabins available. So uh, head on over to summerof99cruise.com and you can catch them there. And then on top of that, Tantric's got dates all over the place. So we're touring through October. We're doing a lot of Northeast stuff. So if anybody's in the area, come on out. Hopefully a new record soon. And then for me, I'm always drumming and making nonsense content. So you can go and see that at Instagram, at Johns Drum Studio. J-O-N-S. No H. We don't do that in my family. (laughs) And so Johns Drum Studio, you can connect with me there and on Facebook, John Laurie. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I got a lot going on this year, but I'm
2: very, very blessed and very stoked. Well, I am very, very thankful that you took time out of your crazy schedule to join me again tonight. It's always a pleasure talking music with you. Thank you so much for joining me again on my weekly mixtape. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Remember, mixtapers, you can find my weekly mixtape on all the social media haunts at my weekly mixtape you can also head to myweeklymixtape.com to check out the full catalog of my weekly mixtape episodes if you like what you're hearing on the show let me just scroll back i'm sorry about that Mm -hmm. if you like what you're hearing on the show you can help me out by either telling a friend leaving the show a five-star review wherever you're tuning in or by becoming a patreon mixtaper at patreon.com forward slash my weekly mixtape That's all for this week. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, enjoy the tunes.
1: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.